Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category-leading superfood product. It's your 20-second daily solution for optimal health. Forget about the multivitamins, the multiple pills or supplements, all of which are not easy on your stomach, and they take a lot of effort to organize, purchase. Remember, AG1 is just a scoop of whole foods pulverized into a powder. You mix it with water, you drink it, it's eight ounces, you do it in the morning, it takes 20 seconds, and then I am good for the entire day. Simple as that. It's dairy-free, vegan, keto and paleo friendly. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. But don't take my word for it. Research it yourself on athleticgreens.com slash surf, and you'll see there are zero compromises. It's NSF certified for sport, which is the gold standard for professional athletes who obviously have to adhere to very strict rules regarding supplements and nutritional products. So again, it's super premium, natural, whole foods, and I assure you, it has things that you haven't even thought to include in your diet, like mushroom complex, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, dairy-free probiotics. So join me as I aim for the healthiest decade of my life, the fourth decade, and you can do it at athleticgreens.com slash surf. That is our portal. You will support us and you will reach your optimal health and functioning. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Enjoy. Realwatersports.com is your one-stop shop for all of your retail surfboard purchases. They have been in business for 20 years. They are experts not only on surfboards and getting you into the right surfboard, for your needs and the waves that you surf, but they're also experts on shipping, shipping hundreds of surfboards every month, each for one low flat fee. They've cracked the code. They can ship boards to anywhere in the world, including once to a charter boat in Indonesia where the surfers had broken so many of their boards that they needed to restock their quiver. So realwatersports.com, a really cool feature that they have as well are surfboard video reviews. So the surfboards that they have in inventory, they do a video review, often writing the surfboard and then reviewing it, showing some of that surf footage, and then detailing the design, the construction, all that sort of stuff. So again, a great educational resource for you to research your next surfboard purchase. Realwatersports.com, thrilled to have them as a partner and thrilled to be able to share the resource with you. has moved away you must face yourself and you must say 
I remember better days Don't you cry cause she is gone She is only moving on Chasing mirrors through a haze Yeah, so the name of the book is No Bad Ways and uh, with a little subtitle called Talking Story with Mickey Munoz. So I'll read what follows. There are no bad waves, only a poor choice of equipment and a lousy attitude. A wave is universal energy, changing in response to environment and circumstance. Any wave can be ridden if you combine the right tools with the body and spirit. Matching the board to the wave lets you flow instead of fight. Attitude is the ultimate piece of equipment. No matter how good the wave or how tuned your board, a lousy attitude definitely ruins your day. Surfing is dynamic and constantly changing. Flow with the power and dance with the wind. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Mickey Munoz. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to part one from last week if you haven't already. In it, he unpacks his early days in Malibu, seeing Phil Edwards for the first time, how Mickey Dora helped him, our Mickey, discover his own personal code of ethics. And today he talks about his journey through board building, why he decided to work with Surf Tech, an overseas manufacturer, and he very neatly weighs out the pros and cons of that business model. He also offers some really wonderful philosophical anecdotes and makes a very compelling case for how barrel writing might be the fountain of youth. Mickey was 77 years old when we recorded this conversation in 2014, so I would heed any and all of his anti-aging advice. You can hear he's really sharp, and um, I can attest to the fact that he is still surfing very well, or he was at the age of 77. So my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I am honored to have been able to have this conversation, but also to be able to share it with you. Without further ado, here is the great Mickey Munoz. I hope you enjoy. Um, I, you know, through surfing, um, because I, I worked in the first Gidget movie, I, I got in, in SAG and, and which was hard to, you know, it was expensive to get into and, and hard to get into. And so it was an opportunity to do that. So I, I ended up doing some stunt work and. Yeah. What was your exact role in the film in Gidget? Well, I, I. I, I got to uh, uh, do some uh, doubling for Sandra D in the surf side of it um, because I'm, you know, uh, short enough and I used to, my line is I used to look good in a bikini, but now my skin is wrinkled, my tits are sagging. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I tried to teach her how to surf, and, and you know, she was this skinny little uh, Hollywood starlet who was great, ended up being a really good actress. But, you know, it's fall, the water's cold, you know, she, no wetsuit, you know, it was really hard for her. So, um, so I got to do some of the stunt work. I worked on the set as, you know, doing as a lifeguard, as a as a grip, as a you know all all around because it's second unit and and on the beach, so I got a summer of work out of it and, and in, better pay than normal. In the film, are you surfing? Then is there footage of you surfing in the film? There, there is some, and I think I'm doing a tandem thing. I okay. can't even remember. In fact, <laughs> there's a big Gidget event coming up this weekend at Coronado, and I. Uh, it's a Gidget documentary or something, and they're making a big deal out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm off for there. I'll probably see myself on screen. Oh wow! Uh, but the other, I did get to do. Um, um, I I got to uh, double Mickey Rooney in a in a TV series called Mickey, and so he and I are about the same height and a little different shape, but same. Same name, Mickey, and and uh, and I hired on to do this this water skiing stunt. I'd never water skied in my life, and I hired on as an expert. And so, luckily, a friend of mine took took me down with his ski boat and gave me a half a day lesson in in water skiing. And and he was a really good athlete, and also was probably a way better stuntman than me but they you know they can't gamble on on him sure and i don't know that he had water skied and and it was a pretty tricky uh thing i kind of introduced a surfboard into the stunt business and one of the i mean basically mickey rooney's getting water ski lessons from this woman instructor and she and I are standing on the dock and we were holding on to the ski line and it's coiled up on the dock and we're standing in our skis and and uh, and she's giving instruction and and this the ski boat takes off uh, thinking that that they signaled and so I fly off the dock and and on two skis land in the water I'm and and land on my back and then and then I get towed on my back with my skis over my head, which is not so easy. And and of course the instructress gets pulled off the dock, but she's now skiing and she comes over and rescues me. And then I climb and we do this tandem ski thing. I kick my skis off and so you've got to go from laying on your back, being planed across the water, now to, to climbing on, on her. her. Yeah, got and it. So this is not an easy stunt to pull off yeah and and so uh i finally i i i made a a board uh a plywood board that i strapped underneath my shirt onto my back so that i had a better planing surface sure and i i i wasn't strong enough to hold onto the ski line and get pulled onto a plane so i had the ski line tied into that piece of wood right? okay. coming out of the back of my neck oh my gosh and and then they would launch me off my surfboard i'd get on the back of my board with the nose sticking up and the guy the guy would punch it and pull me 
on the you know on the board till the board purled and I'm now planing right. Okay. So I pulled it off, a, a, you know, four or five or six or eight takes, right, like that. But one time, instead of planing up, I planed down, and the guy didn't turn around. And this is before, you know, they didn't have walkies, and they, you know, no safety was, crew was, on hand. It was pretty loose, right? Sure. So the guy pulls me down underwater, and luckily I broke the ski line. It oh. Broke. Because it would have planed you. Oh, I was way planing, under. Oh, I was planing down, 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 down okay. at speed. I mean, we're talking full-on inboard. V8 right. Cadillac engine in the speedboat, you know, in the in the boat. I mean, or a straight eight. I don't remember, but it was a yeah. big engine, big, you know, powerful right ski boat. And and yeah, I mean, I was just this rag doll on the end. And but, but the line the end, broke. So in the you, end, we pulled it off. Okay, right? we did pull it off, and so they rehired me to to do stunts. Sure. In the following. Uh, episodes and, oh, okay. and so I did some fights and falls and stuff like that and actually Mickey because he was I'd never done that either you mm-hmm. know? so he kind of took me under his wing and showed me you know how to do all that stuff and so, awesome so yeah. you had a little friendship well a little bit you know I mean what whatever you can you know on the set Anyway, the the series didn't sell. I mean, they did 13 weeks, and I probably worked on three shows or four right. shows or something. But it was something. You know, and then to drive, again, you know, being a surfer, driving driving to Hollywood to hustle, I, I just, that wasn't in me. And, and I knew people, and whenever there was a, a, you know, a water something to do, you know, you You'd know, get if the it call. Was appropriate, I get hired. So I did some other stuff. Well, let me ask you first, like with Gidget specifically, because it was a surf movie. You know, I mean, the other work it's surf related, but it's not viewed by the public as a kind of exploitation of surfing. Gidget, I think the critics would argue that, like, this is going to make Malibu more crowded next year after this movie comes out. No question. Did you have any? apprehension or regrets after doing it in that respect or are you proud of the work i mean what did what, how do, what role does it play in your life um no the only thing i'm proud of is i came up with the line <laughs> my skin i used to look good in a bikini that's now a good line it's wrinkling my tits are sagging it um, is a good line um i mean you know Surfing was already coming of age even before that. San Fernando Valley was driving out Malibu Canyon and learning to surf at Malibu. I mean, even before Gidget, it was like, well, maybe we should design this this kit that you could buy in the in the surf shop. That's a the tail of a surfboard that you can strap onto the back of your car. And, oh, okay. Then you know. It, and put a towel under it and call yourself a surfer and not have to go in the water. So, okay. I mean, by then, already, it was, I wouldn't say saturated, but it was coming popular. And Permeating. that's why Hollywood, that's why Hollywood made the film to begin with. Right. Because there was, you know, surfing was already coming of age. So, I mean, kind of in the Dora consciousness, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Well, you know, I'm married. I got 
couple kids, I need the work, I can use the money. It's better money than I, I could make any other way and something I love to do, you know, and why not? And it, it kind of got me into the, you know, into SAG and stuff where, you know, I ended up doing some commercials and some other stuff. So all, all through my life, it's, it's, you know, it's been a little bit of income here and there and fun to do. How did shaping surfboards fit into that professionally? Was it simultaneous while you were getting occasional acting work? And did you get into shaping surfboards to make a living? Or did you have kind of design ideas that weren't being met by the other guys shaping boards that you needed to, you know, create for your own surfing? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Okay. I mean, I, I, I needed to make a living and what better way to make a living than to design and shape your own boards and 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 you know uh when 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 we did the the tom mori nose writing contest um you know we 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 conceived of a nose writing design and and so I went to Phil because Phil was the master shaper and and he and I could talk you know surfboard design and so we kind of conceived of that design together and Phil shaped it so um, and it became incredibly it, important well pretty good I mean I guess you know there is some controversy about actually who won that but you know, they gave me first prize, so. What was the controversy? Well, that that there had been a miscounting of time or something, and, and so, uh, you know, there was, uh, at one time, there was a thinking that Mike Henson might have won it, not me, and, and anyway, and it was, a, you know, anyway, whatever, whatever yeah, it was, sure. it, you know, it ended up as it ended up, and, and the design concepts that we came up with turned out to be very valid and right. even today are still incorporated you know uh, subtle parts of that design are still incorporated in 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 boards today so right. um, you know out of out of this specialty stuff uh, you know um, you know, when you take a design and you take it all the way out to the extremes, right. you learn from it. And yes, it's extreme. Yeah, it did, it did nose ride really well, but it didn't do something else very good. Mm. So you take what you learn out there and you incorporate it with some other stuff and you try and come up with this, this you know, not everybody can have two dozen boards and not right. everybody wants two dozen boards because... There are a lot of because the ocean is so dynamic that one wave might dig, you know, you might want that great nose rider, but it, the next wave after that, you might want something else. So, you know, you're really trying to find this 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 kind of medium that that works pretty good all around, unless you're okay. We're at Chopu now, and we're doing stand-up barrels, you know, double, triple overhead barrels. Okay, this is what I want for that. But most surfing isn't like that. So 
I got into shaping because, you know, back to my quig days of being a paperweight and back to, you know, trying to make my own board and, 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 and having ideas and wanting, wanting to express those and, and make a living too. I mean, how could it be better? It's about as good as it gets. You know, it helps complete that circle of being a, being able to ride and, 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 and make what you ride. Well, talking about your shaping career specifically, um, you went to work for Hobie for some time. Yep. Um, were there any other labels that you worked under along the way or I, I, I shaped for Donald Takayama a little bit. That's right. Um, I actually wasn't good enough to shape for him. He's really a good shaper, a perfectionist and, and, um, um, but I did, you know, shape boards for him, and I guess they were acceptable. But I always respected his his designs, and not necessarily that that was my idea of design, but I respected his design sure. for what he did, and he was an incredible shaper. So, and a, and and from a quality standpoint, the quality of his boards were just exquisite. So, you know, I, I, I've always cherished being able to share that, you know, with other shapers. And, you know, of course, my, my brother-in-law, Terry Martin, you know, was one of the best of the best shapers. And, you know, I loved watching him shape. I'd yeah. go in and watch him shape and we'd talk design and shaping and forever and ever. And, and, uh, and Phil the same way, although... Phil and I didn't totally agree on designs, but master craftsman, incredible craftsman and artist. Did you have your own label throughout those years on the side, or when did that come about? I did. Um, um, I'm not an entrepreneur. You know, point me in the right direction, and I hopefully I'll get there. But, but um, uh, I, you know. I was a Hobie team writer, and then and then you know Hobie started doing doing uh, name designs, and okay. so you know there was a Corky Carroll design, and and Mike Pur- or uh, I'm, I'm having yeah Mike Purpose actually he I think he did did some too, and and anyway, all through the Hobie era. Uh, he had he had named writers and would have designs and and you know and I got to shape a lot of those as well as as I had my own label which Hobie manufactured and and marketed and sold okay to supplement. Do you still shape today? I do. To what uh, degree and? I mean, are you just working exclusively with custom orders that people ask you for? Or? Uh, no, I kind of got away from that a little bit because um, I, I, I wanted to concentrate more on prototyping for, for uh, you know, I got involved with SurfTech with Randy French, and, and Randy had come up with a, a process, a proprietary process for, for production-type board, and... And it had been done in the past, but never had been done in the quality and 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 um, the the quality that that 
that Randy uh, came up with. And so I could kind of see the hand, the writing on the wall that being a production shaper, um, yeah, there was a time when you could make pretty good money doing it. Um, but, but because of the way the industry had gone and so forth, uh, there was less and proportionally less and less money in production shaping. It's a lot of freaking work. And, oh yeah. And, and I could see that, you know, the computer is only as good as the input, hmm. right? Sure. It takes an artist to input it. And so the argument, well, they're not hand shaped. Well, yeah. Yeah, they are. That that original prototype was not only hand shaped but tuned for years and years and years and years and years. It's the it's the a composite of all that experience and and yeah, there were some learning learning curves in there because you're working with different materials that have different different characteristics. But but the upside is that. Guess what? Actually, the manufacturer, the distributor, all of all the people that are in line in the business of making surfboards can actually make a living doing it. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's sustainable. That's sustainable. And you as the customer, you're getting a board that's more durable. It's it. You can replicate it. So let's say you you go to Hawaii well, rather than schlepping a surfboard in a bag through the LA International and and paying the price to get it on the airplane and all of that, you can rent or buy or ship, pre-ship a board over there and leave it. And and you hurt, if you, the board gets run over or whatever, you can go to the store and buy one just like it that you can rely on. Right. right? Where custom, yeah, hopefully every new custom board is better than the last one, but that doesn't necessarily follow. So there were some a lot of advantages to it, and 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 so I kind of saw that and and got on board with Randy early on, and in fact, at that time I was I was uh, Bill Stewart was manufacturing Hobie, the Hobie label boards. And I was shaping for, and he was doing my label also. And, and so I was basically shaping production boards for Bill Stewart, who was having them glassed and, and marketing and selling them or selling them. Right. So Bill kept going, oh, no, you shouldn't get involved with that. No, don't get, you know, da, da, da. and I finally went, you know what, Bill, I got to make a living just like you. And, and right now you don't have enough orders to, to satisfy what I need to make a living. So I'm going to go do something on my own here, mm-hmm. which is what you would do, which he would have done. And so that's what I did. And so I walked in the back door of his shop with the very first sample 11 footer that I made for surf tech and Terry was there and a bunch of other shapers and stuff and they're all eager to see it and they're going wow this is really light and I you know 
they're looking at it and going, yeah, it's really nice. The finish is good. It's really professional. It looks great. And Bill walked in, you know, and he, he kind of looked at the board and he goes, can we jump on it? I go, heck yes. Let's both jump on it. So we put it fin down on the on the floor, and Bill and I got right in the center of it and jumped up and down. Phil, Bill looks at it, eyeballs it, kind of went, hmm. You know, I could just see this little wry smile on his face. That afternoon, he called Randy, and he had a model. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Converted him. Yeah. Well, temporarily. Okay. Then he got... Then he decided that, no, this was hurting his business and this wasn't a good thing. And he he wrote some pretty vehement articles against against him and pulled his model from SurfTech. So, okay. But, but Randy went into it and he goes, okay, I could come into this and undercut the market because there's enough margin. But I'd rather come in at the same level as custom with and just espouse the advantages sure you know i'm not saying they're better than or way better than here are the advantages you make your choice you can have one of each or right. two of each right um i'm going to come in at the same dollar level and and but everybody in line mickey you're going to make a nice um, you know, nice royalty on this. Um, the manufacturers making their money. Randy Surftech gets their cut. The, the you know the distributors yeah. and the retailers are and the retailers were making more than on on a. I mean that board originally landed in California was less than you could buy the materials to make a custom board. Where was the production being done? Thailand. Okay. So they had a very, very advanced um, a facility that made high, very high level uh, composite, not only boards but other, other things for aerospace and stuff. You've ridden enough of the surf tech boards and enough polyurethane traditional custom boards. Strictly from a surfing surfing standpoint, can you identify a difference between the two or? Yeah, so polyester urethane foam. Poly, polyester resin compared to epoxy resin is almost night and day. Polyester resin is not as strong. It's a different chemical linkage than the, than the epoxy resin. So, so you get a new custom um, polyurethane polyester uh, created board when they're new they're great they work great kids though you know the boards kept getting thinner and thinner and thinner and and lighter and lighter and lighter and so and the kids are doing and you know there's more impact on the board so every time that board flexes it's cracking microscopically and and you know, kids kids would come into the shop and go, "Oh, my board's waterlogged." No, no, I don't think so. I bet if we weighed your board when it went out of this door until you put wax on it, 
you know, you weigh it now and weigh the wax and weigh if it's got any dings that you've fixed and whatever, um, you know, that board's going to weigh pretty close to what it weighed when it went out the door. It's not waterlogged. It's dead. Yeah. It's you've you've broken down the matrix to the point where it's no longer recoiling. And so early on, because I had been building boats and composite boats, I changed my whole quiver over to epoxy. Not necessarily um, um, EPS. EPS, but but even with urethane foam, the epoxy resin composite was a better better choice. And it turns out that EPS, because of the nature of the core, you know, you'd think from a engineering standpoint, we'll use Clark foam blanks as the as a role model as a model. Um, when they're pressure blown in the in the molds, it's pretty ideal because they they expand and as as they expand and the and the and the foam goes to the to the to the edges of the mold, if you will, mm-hmm. um, it gets compressed. So if you were to cut that blank in half, a cross section, and look at it, the center cells would be. <laughs> more open and as you get to to the skin on the outside of the blank they get more dense well that's a pretty ideal from an engineering standpoint that's pretty ideal but surfing is this sort of dynamic um, where where the board is <laughs> part of the, the the characteristics of the board is its flex mm. How it's reacting, right? Flex-wise, and and again back to the polyester urethane example. After two months of 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 you know 180 pounds up and down and pounding on that on that two and a half inch thick board, it's lost all its flex and yeah. recoil. Where epoxy is a much stronger matrix, and it it if you combine it with the right materials. That flex pattern is a lot different. Oh, epoxy boards float higher. No, they don't. They don't float any higher. You take a epoxy board, you take a, it doesn't matter what the board's made out of. If it weighs the same and displaces the same, it's going to float the same, pretty much, right? The difference between the two is that the epoxy uh, EPS foam boards are, are, not bending as far, and they're recoiling quicker. So apparently when you're paddling them, they're floating higher, only because you're not bending them and mushing them out as much as you would with a polyester urethane board. So back to the molded board. The molded board, um, because of its structural nature, is is stiffer than both epoxy or polyester. And consequently, it took a little bit more in design to compensate for that. And some people just don't like it because they're used to what they're used to. And maybe in their own mind, they can't accept it. I don't know. But, you know, you slightly change your style or whatever. I'm not saying it's for everyone. No, and of course. I'm not saying it's going to be better than a custom board. Um, and I, But... 
but it definitely has its place. And when we started dialing in the designs, the weight to strength to, to flex characteristics, the, the production boards got a lot better and better and better and better as they went along. And, you know, if you did a double blind test, I bet you'd be hard pressed to find very many people that could tell the difference. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. I'm super excited to finally be able to share Whoop with you. I started working with them and using the Whoop strap almost a year ago. And when they first reached out, I had already seen John John Florence wearing one. Um, I think that he was just starting to really get into cycling at that point. So I'd see him wearing it on his bike. I'd see him wearing it in the water while he was surfing. And when I talked to the team at Whoop, they actually explained that although it is a wearable fitness tracker, it's actually designed around the concept of recovery. So yes, it tracks exertion, but helping understand how your body recovers actually allows you to get more out of your workouts. So we're finally launching this partnership because Whoop just released their all-new Whoop 4.0 strap, and it is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. You wear it on your wrist. It has biometric tracking that tracks skin temp, blood oxygen, and of course heart rate, and much, much more. It is smaller and smarter than previous versions. It's so sleek that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve. Of course, it's waterproof. So the strap itself doesn't actually have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications. It's just constantly collecting your body's data 24-7. And then it connects to the app, which is on your phone, and gives you invaluable insights into the very big picture of your overall health. These vitals are super easy to share with your physician, your coach, your trainer, your PT, whomever. Think of it as a personalized digital fitness and health coach. Our promo code is the word SURF, where you'll save 15% on your membership, and you'll also get that WHOOP 4.0 strap completely free. WHOOP.com, W-H-O-O-P, WHOOP.com. And then use our promo code to both support us and then, of course, save 15% on your membership. The code is the word SURF on whoop.com, promo code SURF. Thank you and enjoy. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally 
free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I got in a huge, I got in a huge issue with, with, uh, um, with a known shaper, uh, designer, businessman, uh, some years back before he died, actually, um, we're having a forum and, and it's a similar analogy was brought up and, and, you know, a lot of resentment against, against, uh, using the computer design and and boards that were shaped by a machine and and I'm going well wait a minute you guys so you guys have never done a close tolerance um, Clark phone blank you've never shaped one I don't think so I think you have and I think you've shaped thousands of them and I know why the blanks are so close that if you knew where to put the fin, you wouldn't even have to glass the board. You mm-hmm. could actually surf that blank. Right. They're not that bad. Why did you do that? Why did you shape those and you didn't hack down a tree and start with this, yeah. you know, piece of lumber? Right. Why didn't you do that? Because guess what? You know, you got tired of eating air sandwiches. You had to make a living. You had to. You had to. You know, and you wanted to go surfing, so you you made it as easy as you could to replicate your ideas that you've got 50 years of past uh, coming up with. Okay. What's wrong with that? The art is there. Okay. I can remember that wave of fills. Would it be better if I had had a camera and shot the... A, a, a video of that wave that video's in my mind it um, it arguably would dilute it if you were viewing it through the viewfinder well i know you're not you know not everybody's going to be in the shore break at waimea bay when it's triple quadruple overhead yeah but uh what's his um uh, i'm having a brain fade who me who? who does it? Oh, Clark Little. Clark Little. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Sorry, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're fabulous. I, know. I mean, you're, you know, here's an artist who's in there, you know, shooting. Or would you want to be in that shore break every day sort of experience? I personally wouldn't. No, no. So <laughs> I don't. Anyway, maybe that's a poor uh, no. way of looking at it. But, but. I think both is valid. I mean, I, you're perfectly valid with what you talked about, and and I can only rationalize, say that. Oh well, here's one other point that I had to make with with the yeah. same argument that yeah. that you know, have you guys done Clark phone blanks? I go well, you know what this has done for me, this production board is the checks in the mail. What it's done is it's freed me up to be an artist. Right. It's freed me up to be able to to create new designs and new ideas and go out and and actually test them, and 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 keep progressing. You know, and not saying that production shaping is di- digressing because it isn't, but it. I. I I want to see a base. I like the base where that Clark phone blank. If it's perfect, it gives me a 
it gives me a canvas that I can make uh, subtle changes right. to one change at a time, and I can I can then follow that through the process and and you know find out where I was, where I am, and where I hope to be. Right. And so, well, I think what you mentioned I've actually thought about before, which is the surf tech model isn't a model that doesn't include. Uh, artistry and thought and all of the uh, shapers past experiences it actually includes all of that stuff to a more significant degree and like you said with more years of refinement behind it so it's actually the goal is to be replicable but to get to that stage to be replicable all of the artistry went into it exactly so i get that too for, and, for sure. Yeah. The and, replication and, process is where some of that is taken away, but it was all there in the beginning. That's there. right. Yeah. And, and so now freed up as an artist again, right. then I can take that, I can take, I'll give you an example. Uh, early on in the, in the, in the SUP uh, era, my 12 foot surf tech was one of the few boards that was big enough for the average paddler to stand on and paddle. Mm -hmm. So using that as a base and and being able to replicate it, um, I wanted to explore, okay, what, okay, had I been a true genius, I would have made that board two or three inches wider. I would have been king, but you know, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. but but I didn't. So so here it is. It's it's still a paddleable. You can paddle it, stand up, paddle it. I mean, say you as a beginner would have a little. You're a bigger guy. You'd have a little more problem on it than I would because I'm shorter and lower center of gravity and and lighter and so I, I would have an easier time learning on that board than you would but 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 I wanted to find out what the differences were in bottom contour so I took one of my 12 foot boards which even in the production deal it's not perfect 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 okay right? they're they're you know, but it's about as close as you can get. I mean, as good as Terry was at shaping, Terry Martin, um, you know, it, it was really hard to replicate an exact copy because he could do pretty well shaping, but then glassing is a little bit different. You know, the atmospheric conditions are different. The resin batch was different. The cloth batch was different. The glasser was different. So all of these factors weigh into the end result. Um, so I took one of my my 12-foot boards. It was pretty darn as close to the original as could be. And I drew an outline on the bottom. I, I took a tool and, and cut cut through all the skins and everything into the foam and I peeled that bottom off. I concaved the bottom and then I vacuumed that piece back down on it and I concaved the bottom just to see whether it added to stability, what it would do to the overall design. Hmm. Well, in concaving, it takes a little rocker out of it. In concaving, it, it, it did seem to add to some stability. In certain conditions, it, it was paddled faster because it was a little more stable. 
Um, surfing wise, I probably would prefer it without the concave. Okay. And now that I'm a better paddler, I probably could paddle the the softer bottom faster than the concave bottom okay. one. But it definitely, I I learned a lot from that, and and so that's why I can justify at least in my mind the close tolerance Clark foam blank or the machine shaped uh, blanks that most shapers are doing as Velzi so aptly put it shapers today are scrapers not shapers and it's true yeah. you don't even have to turn your planer on anymore Yeah, um, that's good the planer is heavy it makes a lot of noise it makes a lot of dust you bad know? for your back and it's, yeah, it's hard. physically it's hard on yeah. you, you know. So okay, I don't have to use a planer every day. That's good yeah. for me. And again, because the checks in the mail, I, I can I can spend a little more time mucking around, right. doing an experiment like I did with my twelve foot board and learn something. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, it expedites the learning curve, basically. I think so. But the ultimate question is kind of what you said earlier was. If it was just a double blind study, like if you gave me one board or gave me two boards, one of each, and I took them out in the exact same conditions, rode the exact same wave, this is obviously a fictitious study that could never take place. But if you could, then what would I pick? You know what I mean? That's all it comes down to. And there's no way to do that study, unfortunately. So to add a little interest to your wine, okay. uh, wine thing, I have a friend, uh, in Mexico that's a wine kind of wine connoisseur and yeah. he's a very bright funny guy and and uh, and I don't know whether he came up with it or not but 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 uh, according to his and he he deals with some very wealthy people that that are into wines that are not afraid to pay a thousand dollars plus for a bottle of wine right and when you're talking price you know Trader Joe's five dollar bottles <laughs> as opposed to you know yeah. their two buck chuck, you know, all a qualitative five, but yeah, but much over that. <laughs> anyway, uh, double blind test, uh, uh, and my my wife being a little more traditional was appalled by it, but into a blender, turned the blender on, blended for about thirty seconds. Pour it into a crevasse. Yeah. Pour it into that crevasse. <laughs> and 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 his vintner friends say their motto is, you know, life is too short to wait for wine to breathe. So okay. they're all over it. And we've done the sort of double blind test with it. So, so so it's the same wine blended versus non-blended versus non-blended. So Got it. so if you want to test it on your own, pour half the bottle in the blender and take the other half and you know, we use a, you know, we use one of the mixer spouts and venturi venturi thing to help yeah. uh, breathe it a little quicker and 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 every single time the blended wine was it just aerates it faster, basically, it faster. but doesn't damage it in any way. Well, you wouldn't do a, you know, you'd want to filter a thousand dollar bottle sure. of wine if you did it. And okay. maybe you'd want to breathe 
breathe a thousand dollar bottle in the traditional manner but okay but the inner, i'd love to get your feedback on i'll <laughs> i'll try it i'll blend my next bottle and see at how least, it goes. no he had a plastic blender too mm -hmm. and which just you know peggy just went you right at least i said ours is glass yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> interesting and this all happened in baja this was down they make there. good wines down oh, there they make some right very nice wines. yeah 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 Guada guadalupe valley is that yeah. what it is yeah uh, we drive through there all the time i mean we're you know because we drive down there yeah so. yeah so you have a house down there is uh, that we, yeah we have a place in on the east cape so nice so how much time, do you divide your time then between Baja and uh, Southern California? Uh, we just started. Uh, okay. Peggy retired. Uh, she was a special ed teacher and retired uh, last Christmas. So, okay. So we spent uh, four or five months this last year, and we'll probably spend at least that amount of time this year. How much time do you spend traveling outside the country nowadays for surfing? Well, that would be, our, of course, our big one, but... but you know, every other year, every two or three or four years, we, you know, I get a chance to go to Australia or, you know, I did that Chasing Dora thing in South Africa and, and you know, I've done the Biarritz thing in Europe and, and um, you know, so it all, I mean, I don't, unfortunately, traveling these days is not only very expensive, but flying is like such a drag it really is it really is it sucks and and especially if you're bringing boards yeah you know and and i'm i'm i've been a you know i've been enough places and around enough i don't have this great yearning to have to go somewhere you know yeah and um and and uh you know like in my book, you know, no bad waves. There are no bad waves. Only a poor choice of equipment and a lousy attitude, and attitude being the most important. And so, I think that relates to kind of our conversation about surf tech. We're getting so caught up in the mire of this discussion and what's ethically right and wrong, when in reality, whatever the appropriate equipment is. I mean, you have a lot of experience body surfing the wedge. That's a chapter in the book and longboarding and stand up paddling and everything in between. And it really seems like you said, there's no bad waves. It's all about your attitude. If you want to get fussy about where the board came from, you'll not enjoy the experience as much, you know? Or that's just part of the great ambiance of, of, of being a passionate surfer too. So it's not wrong. It's just, um, you know, I mean, I'm really fond of thinking and saying, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, or where you're riding, or what you're riding. It, it, in the at the end of the day, it, it's measured in increments of smile. You know, yeah. that's how it went. Yeah, and and you know, there every day is a good day. Some are better than others, but every day is a good day. Yeah, the glass is always half full. Can you tell me a little bit about the chapter, The Fountain of Youth? Yvonne Chouinard uh, invited me to uh, do an Indonesian trip and a boat trip. And, and, and we're on that trip with his son and, and a couple of his son's friends. And, and uh, anyway, we got to surf all the hot shit breaks and, and, and you know, 
good, bad, or indifferent, we we did it, right? And what? How old were you at this point, or how long ago was this? Oh, it was, well, I'm 77 now, so it was 10, 12 years ago, something like Mid that. Mid-60s? So I'm in my 60s. Right? Got it. And, and, and I'm st- still able to surf well enough I could pull it off, and, 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 uh, um, one of the incidences that led up to this final Fountain of Youth uh, thing was uh, we're we're riding Scar Reef and there's a good reef a good reason that's called Scar Reef because anybody that surfed there at any length of time is usually covered with scars. It's a pretty gnarly break and 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 you know we're anchored real close to it and and early in the morning there's no one out i paddle over by myself and catch a few waves and then the couple of the younger guys on the trip uh paddled out in fact one of them i think was i think he was 17 or something and i dropped into this terrifying barrel managed to come out and and I just came out of it and shot over the top of the wave with this big shit-eating grin on my face, and and you know and the kid was just like totally dazzled. So the youngest guy and the oldest guy in the trip, and I was like 50 years older than he was, and so you know I just I kind of smiled. I went, I don't think I have to surf anymore today, and I just paddled back to the boat. Really? Yeah. So so. Uh, you know, the next day uh, we were on a 60-foot all-steel catch, and and the next night we're headed around towards Desert Point, which is reputedly one of the best waves in the world. And and uh, so we're 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 in the middle of the night. You know, the trades are blowing, and we're we're reaching, which is a more or less ideal point of sail for that boat. We've got the the diesel engine is on at the same time, um, uh, thousand horsepower diesel engine in it, and and we're trying to get around this point, and it took us four and a half hours to go the next four miles because of the current. The current was so strong. Well, the current was headed in the direction of the desert point going into the face of the wave. So now, you know, we're anchored quarter of a mile from the point, paddle over to the point, the tides ride for it and everything. And you have to imagine these waves are coming from the the uh, Antarctica, pretty much unimpeded, you know, deep water, unimpeded, that swell is marching into to Desert Point, and if you pictured the the point as the axis of a, the wheel on a bicycle and the spokes were the waves, that's kind of what it looks like. You just revolve that wheel and those those spokes are, are waves coming into Desert Point. So unlike Scar Reef, Desert Point is an easier takeoff, but as as it progresses out towards the rim, if you will, that wave gets bigger and gnarlier as mm. it goes. Well, inside is a is a reef that's exposed, maybe foot or two out of the water. You've got this horrendous ten knot current going straight into the wave face, 
and you are now opposing that current, right? So the illusion of speed is just phenomenal. Hmm. I mean, besides it's like a Mac and barrel wave. Yeah. So I'm on a one of the set waves of the day and and I'm I'm you know, to to ride a wave like that you have to be positive in your mind. You oh, have yeah. to go, I am going to make this wave, no problem. Absolutely. I'm make it, right? What were you riding by the way? Um I was riding that board right there. Which is an eight foot balsa uh kind of pintail gunny board three fin three fin thruster okay so i'm pretty much hauling ass in this wave and i'm i'm again because you have to be positive i'm going there's no way in hell i'm going to make this wave <laughs> this is unbelievable right i'm so far behind it seems like in my mind right that i'm not, but i've got to keep you trying gotta go you don't want it yeah, yeah you don't want to can't stop, straighten right? out well, unbeknownst to me, Yvonne has has uh, broken his board in three pieces. He is standing on the reef now in standing on the dry reef. I'm in this double plus overhead barrel, which is 20 yards from the reef, uh, coming down the line, headed towards him. He's got the tail of this board in his tucked under his arm and he he doesn't know what to do but he finally goes I can't be standing on the reef I'm out of here and dives off the reef lets the tail of the board go but it's still attached to the leash that's still attached to his ankle and he dives under this this you know freight train way right and out of the, my periphery, I see the tail of the board, and I go, oh, shit, I'm going to hit a turtle. I thought it was a turtle. Oh. I didn't even know what it was. But fine, But I, anyway, I keep bending into this thing, and I, I make it another, I, you know, I couldn't believe I make it another 100 yards down the line in this thing, and finally just go rocketing through the top of the wave. And, you know, the only way I can really describe it is like taking acid. I mean, I had this shit-eating grin on my face. I could not get off. I was like so ecstatic and so elated that, you know, when I paddled back to the boat and it just lasted and lasted and lasted. It was such an incredible experience because of the illusion of speed and the and the noise of the water and the wind and the whole thing was just this amazing experience for me. Right? Yeah. So, month later, Yvonne calls me and says, hey, would you write an article for, for our catalog? Because, you know, the Patagonia catalog is famous for its, you know, articles on, on experiences and so I thought about it, and so I wrote about that that experience, and 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 to sum it, the only way I could think of summing it up, and the more I thought about it, the more I I felt like it was the real thing, is that Einstein said that if you and I are sitting here right now, and and you step on a spaceship and and you rock it away and you can rock it away faster than than the speed of light 
that theoretically you could come back and land and and you would be younger than when you left. Theoretically. Theoretically. Okay. Well, they're starting to figure out that maybe you can, maybe not us, but there might be things going faster than the speed of light actually now. So in theory anyway, sure. that's what Einstein said. And in theory, I say that that experience was such a high experience that the illusion of speed was so great that I exceeded the speed of light and came out of that barrel younger than when I got into it. Hmm. And come on, look at Kelly. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a solid argument. I don't think I have to say more about that. Yeah. I think it sums it up. Yeah. And, and that experience can be achieved climbing, you know, base jumping, uh, you know, imagine that guy, what was his name, Bombard, who stepped out at, uh, at 1,000, Yeah, that, that GoPro stunt, jumping yeah. from outer space. You know, and went over 800 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, his body alone, come on. Okay. That guy came out younger than when he left. Well, um, <laughs> I, I completely get what you're saying, and you can achieve it through other things. But isn't barrel riding different? I mean, can you achieve that experience in the barrel? I would argue is un, unobtainable through any other means. There's other means that might do something that's also really radical, but I don't know. That just sounds so majestic, you know? Well, and, and look how lucky we are to be surfers. I mean, dealing with waves. Yeah. I mean, our whole earth is... Our whole universe is all about waves. Yeah. You know, light waves, sound waves, you know, on and on and on. It's all about waves. And here we are, we're able to not only create the toy to make that wave riding, you know, more efficient, but we're able to ride that wave. Yeah. And and have some feeling and knowledge about it. Right. And and you know, there's another well whether you want me to go into it, but Feel one free. of the other one of the other parts of you know the the book is about talking story, but it's really about um, the experience of riding waves and and the fact that we are surfers and surfing is such a unique experience, and one of the other things that one of the other great um, learning things for me was was the experience of uh, I'm I'm with a painter friend in Baja. He's he's leased some land down there and he's put a trailer on it. And this is this is in the early 70s before Northern Baja was being developed and stuff. I had never watched a painting being painted fully painted right so mm -hmm. to finish and he painted in acrylics and he was really fast and he's a really good artist and painter so we're standing on this bluff looking north with with the halfway house on the on the bluff sitting on the edge of the bluff the ocean to the left the mountains to the right we're looking north and he is painting and he's He's using a color on the on the in the mountains, and then he looks over to the ocean and sees a, 
a opportunity and paints in a wave and, and using that color and and then he gets another color he's painting into that wave and, and what that wave is looking like and the influence around it because you're looking at you know faded out in the distance 10 miles up the coast and back a few miles and you know yeah what's happening right there next to him on the left and now he's painting in the field now he's painting in the halfway house now he's over in the mountains and suddenly all this blur of color is now starting to take form and shape and the whole time he's painting the ocean well each time he's painting it it's different right because the wave that just broke is now going up and above water level well it seeks its own water seeks its own level right so it goes out in the form of a rip or a backwash or a tie a, a, a idiosyncrasy that influences the following wave and so forth and so on so you know it was for me a, when he froze that painting finally when he finally finished the painting and froze that last wave it was breaking because all behind that wave were these layers of of influence and time and i got to realize that our present is really built on the past and how how the past influences the present and the present will influence the future so it's a it's it's this ongoing sort of series of waves that that is your life basically and and anyway so to me it was a huge lesson yeah um, just in reality it, it's interesting that that painting uh, was what crystallized that for you well because I could see it so clearly you know it was so clear in my you know just watching him because he, he did the painting start to finish in two hours mm. boom 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 just like shaping a board and and you know, again, I think maybe that's why I was so fascinated with, with Joe Quigg sculpting a board because it was all his past, you know. When Joe Quigg made his boat, it was all that past experience, um, surfboards and waves, that went into his boat. Yeah. And, 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 and again, you know, you know, back to the computer, back to the machine shaping, back to all of that. Um, to me, that's why um, it's not really. It's important what you your example of the of the wine, but but it's all there no matter how it's expressed. Mm. And and you know, maybe the computers will. You know they're already smarter than I am for sure, but <laughs> and maybe they'll be smart enough to really think, think. But yeah, but I don't think so. I think the creativity of the artist will still be um, right. Yeah. A stick, a stone. It's the end of the road. It's feeling alone. It's the weight of your load. It's a sliver of glass. It's life. It's the sun. It's night. It's death. It's a knife. It's a gun. Final question for everybody who's interviewed is: What was the last surfboard that you rode? Um, old surfboard or something? 
I, either or, what was the last craft that you rode in the ocean? Well, the last, last craft was yesterday at about this time, and I was riding my 710 SUP. Made by whom? By me. Excellent. <laughs> and can people... So I, I, you know, I shaped it, I designed it, I finned it. And finning, of course, is one of the black arts of surfboard design. And however the board's done, that finning is hugely important. So, you know, that's a whole other art in itself. And... and and maybe an example of, of how complex and how deep the layers are in, in, in surfboard design. Mm. There's so much more to it than the skin, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Was it about that time you get back out in the water today? or? I'm probably going to ride a few. Perfect. Yeah, I put in about three hours yesterday, so I'm Thank a little you. beat up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I, in fact, I've surf so much you know i started early in the week of big wednesday and then been riding ever since every day so it's the mud of fish of flesh a wish a wing it's a hawk it's a dove it's the promise of spring and the riverbank sings of the waters of march it's the end of despair it's the joy in your heart That concludes my chat with Mickey Munoz. The basis of this conversation was his book, No Bad Waves, distributed through Patagonia Books and available on Amazon.com. I'm sure elsewhere also. We have a link to it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Listening back to this has really re-inspired or just reminded me of convictions about surfing or maybe just spending time in the ocean that... I've had since I was really young, but they seem to have been kind of corroded through life's obligations, the mania of freeway driving, uh, life in general. So it was really refreshing to revisit this and to hear from Mickey again. So thank you, Mickey. Glad to have this chat to reflect on. And thank you, our loyal listeners. We are giving away the Gillespie Modern Fish built in Maui Leaflight Construction by Jeff Timponi. Uh, we're giving that away in 11 days on November 1st. So I've been riding that board. I've been catching a ton of waves, pinging and rebounding off of sections. Thing has so much float, drive, energy between turns and maneuvers. It's effortless. It's fun. I am going to keep this surfboard, but I will have the Timponies make you, the winner, a custom. So all of our supporters are automatically entered to participate in this giveaway. It is only $5 a month to support us. And it's really how we run our business. So you can do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Click over to the support section. And you also get an ad-free version of this show if you want it. But all of our advertisers' promo codes and discounts are always available on our website. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can benefit from the discounts if you want. And uh, your support is hugely appreciated. So thank you. We have fresh episodes I just recorded with Scott Bass for Spit, and I'm connecting with Chaz Smith tomorrow for The Grit. So go grab those this week, and then I'll be back here on Surf Splendor next week with Tavarua's own John Roseman to discuss their reopening and his 30 years surfing cloud break. Until then, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor. 
encouraging you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on.